go. Testing, testing, testing. Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to focus on their dreams and passion. Today's guest is a brother who's currently a major player in tech. He is a go-to market strategist with over 15 years of experience in the SaaS industry. He has built revenue teams from the ground up that have generated exponential revenue success. His mission is to help tech founders lead with empathy and equity from the start while generating a scalable revenue process. His consultants company, Cultured Perspective Inc. has a total of 14 consultants that mainly, but not only, help companies go from zero to millions in revenue. He's also an advisor for a company called Us in Technology, which helps place BIPOC individuals into software sales. He's currently a VP of go-to-market for Seattle-based Shipium. He's a husband and a father doing all this dope work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Marcus Knight. What up, brother? What up, what up? Thanks for having me, my man. Man, I hope I did your bio justice. <laughs> you did, you did. I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate <laughs> you joining me. Oh, cheers, by the way. Salud, salud. Salud. <laughs> Yo, let's start this conversation. What I usually ask my guests is walk me through their journey, you know, starting from where, they, where they're from, where they grew up, where they went to school, up until the point where they are right now. So whenever you're ready, brother. Okay. All right. I'm sipping so, my Marcus. wine, listening. <laughs> <laughs> so Marcus, I'm from, uh, from uh, Glendale Heights, Illinois, just right outside of, of Chicago. Um, Chicago's home. Uh, been uh, born and raised raised in the area. Live now in Seattle, Washington. And basically, I went from uh, the Midwest to the West Coast through uh, through software technology, which took my career out this way. But along the way, you know, went to school in Wisconsin, a small liberal arts school called Carthage College. Uh, what was your major? Uh, marketing with a minor in business and Spanish. Oh, okay. Not in tech. <laughs> not not in tech at all. I had no idea that I was going to be in tech at all. Oh, worries. Oh, you got. I, I want to hear that story. How you got to end up in tech? People, my bad. I just had to. No, no. You're good. You're good. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, ended up uh, after after college, decided to come back to Chicago for a little bit to try to figure out what was next for me. Um, ended up linking up with a with a hot tech company at the time, Groupon, mm. and helped them scale their organization to the revenue heights that we all heard of. Uh, before eventually uh, uh, quitting to start my own um, tech company, which was an on-demand butler service called My Butler. Um, oh wow! There, that was um, a lot of fun. Me and another partner, we decided to uh, to start this company up, and it was just based off of our day. We didn't have enough time throughout the day to to get things done, like laundry, mm. you know, do our dishes, stuff like that, because we was always on the road doing our thing. So we came with this idea, decided to quit Groupon and do this, do it full time for for a while. And once um once I was doing that for a while, then I ended up getting hit up by a lot of uh, tech founders in the Bay Area that wanted to have my that wanted me to come on board to kind of, kind of help scale their their revenue. Team. So that's how you got in tech through Groupon. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. So um so basically, I I uh, got hit up by a lot of different founders, just loving the fact that I had this entrepreneur mindset as well as could sell uh, technology. And so, you know, I, I had a, a CEO that hit me up and asked me if I'd be interested in running the kind of Midwest to East Coast market Word. while living in, Ch in Chicago still. And then on the, at the same time, him kind of teaching me how to be 
you know, a better CEO, if you will. So whenever that's how old you around this time? Oh man, probably about 27, 26. Okay. Like and you were, you were uh, an entrepreneur so yeah. at that point. <laughs> well, I come from my parents are entrepreneurs, so I oh, okay. let me, you know. Makes sense. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so once I ended up uh, starting at this company, it's called Talent Ben, uh, uh, we ended up getting acquired by a larger company called Monster.com. So in that process, I just was like, look, we got acquired, go ahead and move me out to the West Coast. I want to see what that's like, see if I can, you know, like learn from, from individuals that I never, you know, had a chance to really interact with. And from that point, when I moved over to the West Coast, that's really when my career kind of took off. I, I started to, to um, really scale tech companies at a higher level, started just operating on all cylinders, which was really dope, uh, just to be in, in those kind of environments and learn at a much rapid pace than what I was used to. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was, it was, it's been interesting from there. I ended up you know, moving up over to Seattle to help out a tech company kind of grow their go-to-market strategy and revenue teams, which was really nice. Okay, uh, describe go-to-market strategy. What is, it seems like it's a major part of scaling a company. Describe that process, what it's all about. Yeah, so it's uh, basically, you have a, a, you're a business owner, you have an idea and, and you think it's a great idea, but now you need to figure out how the market's going to respond to it. Um, can you sell whatever it is that you have your product offering and how do you get it to like massive heights? Mm. Uh, you would call someone like my, my, like myself and I would come in and kind of do a lot of market analysis research on, on what's, how, how the market will respond. What's the price point you should be charging, how quickly we can get to millions and then what pieces along the way. What kind of research does that entail? Like, cause you know, these are usually brand new ideas that has never been done before so how would you mm-hmm. kind of assess a company in terms of the product in terms of its scalability yeah it's based, so just because a company may not have existed before the market in which you're selling to has you know okay. so so meaning that like there's there's some company that is that is taking from or their their consumers would be consumers of your product in some form or fashion so trying to figure out where does that, where's that intersection at um, versus what's the differentiator between you and all these other businesses out mm. there and how, and, and then how you can get to whatever your revenue targets are fast, like very fast is, is how we kind of, you know, determine that. So we do a lot of market research, talk to different people, your idea target um, customer, uh, talk to all kinds of folks just to see exactly what their, mm. what they would pay for your, for your offering. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how, yeah. how did you, you know, instantly, it seemed like you instantly became like, that's your expertise. What drove you to that particular area in that biz, in the business and tech? Yeah. So I'd say that it, it, I, I stumbled upon this, meaning <laughs> that I had no idea what I, what I wanted to do besides I wanted to own a business. That's all that I knew. Mm. Right. And so, so, um, you know, I started out with, I mean, I, even back in, in, you know, after school, after college, coming back home and I started, you know, at a recruiting agency and, and being a recruiter, just so I'm doing sales all the mm-hmm. time. I didn't, I couldn't stand that because people are variables, companies are variables. So it's hard to, to place people at companies because everything's always a moving target. Um, and then, and then even before that, I, I sold copiers like way back when, sold copiers oh, wow. door to door. Uh, but, <laughs> nice. and, and, 
And believe me, that was a grind that I never wanted to do. I used to sell vacuum cleaners, so uh... Your story sound a little bit like mine, bro. Like you know, coming out of college or you know, didn't know yeah. what you wanted to do, and you was just yeah. trying little things, just trying, you know. That was it. And, and honestly, what I took in that process though was the learning lessons throughout it, like what I hated about those companies or the or the roles and mm -hmm. what I liked. And what I hated was, you know, that I'm selling, I'm selling something that I don't really believe in. That, mm. was, that was the main thing. But right. what I love, what I what I loved was the training that I got out of it. Mm. So I, I got an understanding of how to make people move or do what you want them to do based off of whatever it is that you're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. So I stuck with that process, like, okay, well, I know I hate what I'm doing right now, but at least I'm getting some value from a learning perspective of of not to fall in this this type of opportunity again, mm -hmm. or how how to level up and go to go do something else with this kind of skill set. So it started out with pure sales. And okay. then from there, uh, from sales, then, then I was able to get into software sales. And once I was, because sales is transferable no matter what yeah. you do. Like, like you can do, if you can sell knives at Cutco, you can sell <laughs> software. It's, not, it's right. not that that hard. So it's just a matter of just learning the vernacular, learning, learning what is going to make people kind of like, like uh, purchase whatever it is that you have to offer. But from there, being in, in that software sales mindset, it really helped me like take my career to the next level because now I'm having discussions about, about you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a sale or, or millions of dollars a sale as opposed to, you know, a couple dollars, a couple of tens, twenty dollars. Right, right. Yeah, so. I, I think I need you. Uh, I need to hire you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. <laughs> Oh, most definitely, most definitely, which is why I have Culture Perspective, which is I have a team uh, of folks that that help me out with this process. And it's individuals who look like us who, who never get a shot of being like a revenue leader or go-to-market leader. Right. So so basically, I've mentored so many folks along the way, and, and, and people are always asking me for more mentorship and guidance. And I thought the easiest way is for me to put together a consultancy where they get firsthand experience on how to do that with some of the hottest tech companies and with my guidance and mentorship along the way. But now they're, they have the opportunity to be at the level of me, like a VP of go to market or a, or a VP of revenue, if you will, that's another way of saying it. Right. Um, VP of revenue. Mm -hmm. When did you start the, so, uh, the tech company? Uh, the, my Butler or, or my consultancy. Consult you still have my Butler? No, nah, no. Nah, so we, we, uh, we let it go back in 2020. Oh, oh yeah. you know, Sino, what happened to that 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 business? <laughs> uh, so we, so both co-founders, myself and, and my my partner Gene, we both moved out to the West Coast uh, separately in different times and started working and starting getting emerging ourselves in the tech companies that we were at, like our day daytime jobs, mm. and so it, it became just too problematic. That mixed with family, mixed with everything else, it was like you know, something's got to take a back seat. And so that, that was the thing that ended up taking a back seat. Um, but I mean, it, it went, it went on for a good seven, eight years. Oh, wow. Before we decided to, decided to, to, you know, park it for a while. How do you, how do you, you know, close a tech company, or, you know, something like my Butler, what do you do? Just, just shut it down and keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's there's a number of ways. Obviously, you write a write a nice message to your fan base, your consumer base. Oh, okay. Just let them know that you know that it's that it's going to be coming to an end shortly. 
Um, you kind of give enough runway so that people can get whatever last little bit out of it that they can, whether it's another service offering or whatever. Um, but, but after a while, then it's just, you know, we got to, you know, kind of just shut up shop and, and, uh, and part ways, but it, it was, it's not too difficult to close as long as you're communicating with your, with your consumers that it's, that it's coming to an end. So okay. I think we gave ourselves like a three month runway to, to let individuals know that okay. it's coming. Okay, cool. And your uh, consulting company, when did that start? That started back in 2020. Uh, okay. So, so basically, I was just tired. So, so you mentioned I'm advisor for for us in technology, uh-huh. uh, which is helping helping black and brown folks get into uh, software sales without any college degree. Um, I also have a nonprofit organization called Sales for the Culture, which is around 3,000 uh um black folks anywhere from trying to get into tech sales all the way up to like my level like chief revenue officer vp of go to market level and it's just a, a mentorship program peer-to-peer mentorship program mm. that allows folks all over the world to get access to what what are we thinking about on a daily basis when it comes to scaling an organization and okay. how do you, and what companies do you want to go to that are inclusive to black folks like okay. very much on on those lines of letting uh, letting individuals know which companies to stay away from and which companies that they should go to. Okay. Um, so, so in, during that during that time, which was back in 2020 when we started that, um, we also started the go to market cult, uh, culture perspective uh, consultancy. Just because I had so many people that were trying to get to where I'm at, and I just can't do one offs anymore. Mm, I can't have oh yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> so yeah, believe me, brother, it was a lot of time. Right. So, right. So I ended up just saying, how about we get a, get some individuals who are on the cusp of, of, of needing that break to get to like, you know, director, VP, et cetera, CRO level, come work with me, build out this organization, get access to all these hot tech companies. And if any of the tech companies like your work, you can get hired on the spot as, as a VP right away. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we ended up doing back in 2020. And it's been taken off ever since where we help companies all across the, the globe with their um, revenue strategy, go-to-market strategy, also putting a lens of inclusion in, involved. Because one thing that I know historically just from being in sales for so long is that this the business function of sales in a tech organization is one of the more, more toxic organizations out there. Like it's a lot of, you know, white frat bros that mm. just, you know, want to, you know, beer pong, drink all the time, all that type of stuff and aren't inclusive to black folks and brown folks. So if we can come in at an early stage and talk to these founders on why it's important to be inclusive from the start, then they have a better shot of, of, of uh, you know, getting the DEI thing kind of correct. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, um, people of color and their access to certain opportunities in tech. What was your experience like when you, when you moved out to the West Coast and, you know, got in that world full time, you know, being a, you know, person of color. Mm-hmm. So I say being an individual contributor, like a sales rep, a salesperson, it was uh-huh. easy to get into, get into uh, doors once you're already in. So because okay. I had two tech companies underneath my belt, then it was very easy to kind of move around. But, but trying to get in initially, that is very hard. If you don't have the right credentials, the right don't come from the right schools, et cetera, then it became really hard. Now, once I'm in the role though, it's, 
it's very challenging because you're one of the only black folks in the company right and in the rooms that you're at and the higher that you go that is still that still reigns true so right. uh so being in rooms and, and and having to deal with you know people trying to question why i'm in the room etc mm. like, yo my intellect speak, speaks for itself so it doesn't matter you know what i may look like you know i i still guarantee that i'm probably smarter than most of the people in the room right so, right right how did you react when you got that reaction you know people looking at you funny questioning you you know why are you here because i'm sure you know i could imagine you being the only person of color in a in a a room full of frat brothers <laughs> that doesn't look like you culturally different all that how did yeah. you uh well early on in my career i didn't know like i was like oh maybe i'm supposed to assimilate maybe that's what it what uh -huh. you're supposed to do uh so i did i did that until i kind of got out to the west coast and realized i was like no this ain't it this ain't the move at all right. <laughs> uh, um, so basically i just started to to really lean into who i was mm. as a person and you know whenever you see me i'm wearing the hoodie and hoodie, hoodie and sneakers i don't care what event wow. that, if it, you know I, I just wanted to make sure that i was being my authentic self mm -hmm. and if people didn't like it they could kick rocks like it didn't really matter to me because now i like i knew back then that i could go to any other company and they would take right. me for, for who i am so uh so i'd be in the rooms and you, you know you get these little backhanded comments and things like that and you just kind of check people where, where it's at it's like i can i can let you know who i am uh, in this boardroom or, out, or outside, it don't matter either way. But but for me, it was just like I wanted to make sure that I was showing up for people that were trying to come up behind me uh, and, and be in this software sales game. So mm -hmm. so for me, it was I, I wanted to make sure that I checked anything I could, any bias that I could, whenever I can. Wow, you seem like you were a pioneer. How is it back then compared to now? That that whole space, the tech space. Yeah, I think that it is. It's still bad. Like, I, like I'm gonna be mm. honest. Like, it's it's not it's not like you know. Right now, I feel like you have a lot of tech companies that are very uh, fake progressive, if you will, where they mm. they say the right things for a marketing marketing or PR, but their dollars and their actions don't really align. Um, and so, for me, the the thing that I can say now is that there are you are seeing more black folks getting into to tech but not at the levels in which they should be at, like an executive level, things of that nature. They're starting out and having to go to like entry level, even though they've had five, 10 years experience in a different industry. Right. Um, but the one thing that I will say is that a lot, like everyone's much more outspoken about the, the racism and the unconscious okay. bias that people have. And, and honestly, that, that part right there, we're seeing black folks uh, creating um, uh, tech companies at an astronomical rate right now. Oh wow! Now, whether we're getting the funding, I was about to ask you about funding, that. That's a different story, but we are at least building, uh, starting our own opportunities and our own pathways. Okay. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, in terms of like black tech founders, how do they maneuver in terms of scaling a company and getting the funding that, you know, usually you know it's about relationships for the most part you know, in terms of funding, how, you know, what is the opportunities for black tech founders in terms of getting funding or lack of? Well, man, well, it, it's a grind. Like, I, I mean, I've I consulted with a lot of black tech founders that still aren't getting the funding that they need. They have some of the greatest ideas that I've heard of. Um, so whenever I get a chance, I just try to try to like help them out and make the connections uh, that I can to VCs or angel investors that can give them that kind of capital to get them started. Um, I think that also it's just, 
that we need to have more black VC funds, like which which we're starting to see more mm-hmm. black folks get into that world. But but to start out, it's very challenging. I mean, you go through you you'll get two three hundred no's before you get one person that wow. says, "Yeah, I'll write you a check for fifty grand." Wow. <laughs> you know. So, so uh so but but the thing is that there's a lot more resources where you're seeing a lot of black founders black vc firms uh black folks who have been who have been in this in this uh industry for a while kind of band together and and sharing connections with one another so that we can see more black folks get funded okay so i mean you're you're a brother that wear many hats you're currently at shipium What is Shipium and I guess what role do you play with Shipium? And is it, um, I read in the bio that it's going to challenge Amazon, you know, pretty soon. Is that real? Is that, is that, is that going to happen? <laughs> I mean, stay tuned, brother. Stay tuned. Brother. There's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of great things in the works. But uh, what Shipium is, is it's a, it's offering up the Amazon Prime experience to every mm. other retailer out there. So Every retailer, call it Nike, Nordstrom's, whoever, you know, all Target, all these, all these major retailers, they can't compete with Amazon because they, they can't offer two-day shipping. They can't offer um, uh, fast, easy, cost-effective ways to get the product to the customer in a timely fashion so that, and, and allowing them to know that Shipium bridges that gap because we have okay. founders of the Amazon, Amazon Prime stack that, that are, are the founders of our company. Like they built it at Amazon and then they were like, you know what, after 20 years over at Amazon, they figured they wanted to bring this to the rest of the market. So, uh, so mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry, sorry. Oh no, so we got, so we got a few, uh, we got two really amazing co-founders that, that have been in this space for quite some time and, and have a lot of knowledge in building this. And then, and then they asked me to join to help scale the revenue efforts. Like, hey, we got this awesome product. How do we get it to the masses? Wow. And again, I was do, I was doing my consultancy full time, and once I got the call to kind of see what this was about, I'm like, oh, this is revolutionary if, if we can do it right. And so, so for me, I've been at the company for about eight months now, and it's been a great ride. We closed some major deals mm-hmm. with some great retailers, and you know, the best is yet to come. I mean, we have some great great news coming out even later on this week, okay, which is, which, uh, is going to be real exciting. Okay, brother, uh, you're married, right? Yes, sir. Yes, How sir. How long have you been, uh, been married? Uh, be nine years uh, in July. Okay, got kids too. Yes, a little little six year old. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Six year old boy. Okay. How do you balance, you know, the shipping opportunity, your consultancy company, and you do so much also, you know, charity work? How you know? How do you balance them all, bro? Man, that, that has been the million dollar question for real. So I, I say, uh, <laughs> I say early on, I, I really struggled with this. Like I, I was so engulfed with my work, but now over the past couple of years, I'm able to take a step back and focus more on family. Uh, because okay. That's what's important to me. Um, and so now uh, I, I just put guardrails on my time, like making sure mm. that mornings are, are, are for, for my family, evenings are for my family. Um, and, and, you, and people or companies have access to me between certain hours. If it's anything outside of that, I'm like, I don't care if it's weekends, whatever it's, it's, it's family time. Oh, nice. And the other thing is, is that I also 
my my wife's also in tech. She's the smart one in the family, so so she understands <laughs> kind of what I what I go. You're through. a hustler. She's um, a she's a genius. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then my son, uh, you know, he has his own clothing line and stuff. Like we we, oh, say we uh, teach the entrepreneurial uh, spirit. You came uh, from right, a family right, right, of, entre- of entrepreneurs. Now you're an entrepreneur, and now your son is already. A- <laughs> you say he was yes, six. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, six, six years old. Yep. What's yep. his clothing line? So we, it's called Kid Cultures. Uh, uh, and Kid Culture is spelled K I D K L T U R E. Oh, and, that's, oh. and K, KLT is um, the three kids that own the clothing line. Okay. So three kids that are, that are um, I think they are eight, six, and four. And they're Kenzo, Langston, Tegan. My, my son is Langston. And okay. basically, we wanted to just build something for generational wealth, build something nice. that gave them hands-on experience so that they can uh, go through trials and tribulations, but it also feeds their creative side. They get to come up with designs, um, and whatever they, they come up with that we feel is hot, we'll put it on, on articles of clothing and, and sell it. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Man, it seems like, you know, you're heavily involved in tech, but what is actually your passion? What is it? What is what gets you up in the morning to keep you going? Honestly, it's helping people like like the, mm. the tech is just a co- conduit of that. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so tech is just a conduit of that. But um, but really, it's just making 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 sure that, you know, especially our community has the opportunities. It can change their economic state and become more. Um, economic empowered. Uh, mm. So therefore, w- I'm, I'm always trying to help out the community to, to let them know there are resources out there to get them to wherever they're trying to go. Um, and so I spend a lot of time in servicing others, a lot of time. Wow. You know, you being, you seem to be like one of the, like, you know, at the forefront of a lot, you know, is, do you feel like pressure? Do you feel like stress? Do you ever get stressed out? Do you ever get angry? You know, you know being at the forefront of so much that's that's about a pop like yeah yeah bro that 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 stress and sometimes the anger is real like the stress more than anything the anxiety just because Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of a lot of things that are kind of weighted on what i do and so and i and i don't like to fail so Mm. i'm always trying to make sure that things are running in in a smooth fashion but some things are just out of my control Mm -hmm. um but but the thing is is that the the pressure of making sure that things are successful comes in the failures though too mm. so just be, just because i don't like to fail every, everything we talk about all the opportunities that i have that are successful right now there's probably been two dozen other opportunities that weren't so, <laughs> so, right 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 so, but the thing is is that those lessons have helped me uh, build something you know along the way that is that is going to be long lasting so so for me it's it's mostly around what do I do to kind of limit my anxiety levels and that is when I feel them kind of creep up make sure that I'm taking uh, make sure that I'm taking time to just unwind and unplug from everything like mm-hmm. pretty soon I'm gonna be I'm gonna take about three weeks off and do nothing for three oh, weeks. Wow. just just spend time with the and fam, not feel chill. guilty at all <laughs> at all like whatever happens during those three weeks is whatever happens but right that that is time that i that i want to just be be able to recharge and unwind and then i can come back stronger but if i just keep plowing through which historic i've done that in the past that that ends up becoming a disaster because the only, per, only person that i'm harming is myself and, and my family 
So mm-hmm. me, meaning, meaning that like, I'm, I don't get enough rest. I don't get a chance to like really bring my whole mind to the, to the discussion. It's like, I'm, I'm always kind of elsewhere. So. Right. Right. So, and there's a lot of people, a lot of professionals that probably, you know, not probably they listen to this podcast and what, you know, that's my target audience, like professionals who are dynamic, like professional of color or dynamic in in so many different ways, but they're afraid to take that leap. You know, what would you recommend, what would you recommend, you know, how these professionals should take that leap once they feel strongly about something, you know, like an idea that they want to bring to life? What, what kind of advice you give someone who is risk averse? Yeah. And because, you know, there's so many, I always say there's so many dope people of color in, 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 in um, corporate world but they're so scared to, to they're scared of the unknown. That is real. Uh, I'd say that the number one advice that I give to a lot of folks um, that are trying to, that have ideas, but don't know how to get started. If you have a full-time job, start while you have the full-time mm. job. Like, like you can still, like the one, a company doesn't own you. So you have, so you only, you have a nine to five and then you have the rest of the time to do whatever it is that you want to do so the best way to get started is while you have a full-time job go ahead and start spending an extra couple hours per night to to you know formulate your idea and get it really thought out and and get it moving uh and an example of that is culture perspective when i started when i had a full-time job and got it going once i made more revenue than i was making inside the company that's when Mm. i decided to bounce how long did it like take you for you to, to, to get to that point? Uh, I think it took me about nine months, eight, nine months. <laughs> okay. You're a natural, bro. <laughs> well, Some people take well, like no, I just, years. You said nine months. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, I mean, even even the the one, uh, my butler, which was my first opportunity, that took a year and some change in the works before, okay. I, before I felt comfortable enough to go ahead and do that. Right. Um, I'd say on average, you're probably going to spend anywhere between a year and a half to three years building out your your idea if you're doing it on if you're doing it on the side while you have a full-time gig right and that's that's okay because all you're doing is you're learning all throughout the way as long as and you're able to fund some of your ideas through yeah. your full-time job right i mean you touched on something in generational wealth you know in terms of like trying to build generational wealth you know what is the best way to build generation wealth for, for mainly people of color? Is it being an entrepreneur? You know, just your, your perspective. Um, I, I don't think that there is a best way. It just depends on the individual uh, and, okay. and, their, and their families. I'd say entrepreneurship has been one way for me. Actually, okay. actually no, I, I'll take that back. I started with real estate. Mm-hmm. I started with real estate because I could find uh, homes in, in areas that were pretty inexpensive that would cost, you know, maybe what it would cost me to go out to the bar for six months. And I could find a place to go, find somewhere to get a home at that price and then just keep building off of that. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that I did. And then, then I was able to uh, leverage some of that capital to get into entrepreneurship. Okay. But anything from stocks to real estate to uh, to, to owning your own business, to Uber driving, like stuff like that, like whatever it is that's where you are kind of your own business owner is a good start. Uber driving. Huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, 
it's it's not my cup of tea but again like you are a 1099 contractor you're not a full-time employee and you make right. hours so, right. so so it's like you could you could work from eight in the morning till two in the morning or eight in the morning till noon and then the rest of the time is if you make enough money you have the rest of the day to focus on whatever your your business is okay all right marcus uh yo man it's been great knowing you i just want to ask, ask one or two more questions how so, do you what's the ultimate goal for marcus knight and his industry i see I, you know, marcus man. knight incorporate sounds like a nice little ring to it brother <laughs> stay stay tuned brother stay tuned <laughs> uh, ah, okay okay um uh i'd say that i i guess uh i i don't know i i honestly don't know i'm, I'm coming up towards the latter part of my career i don't want to be doing this for too much longer um okay i think that i'll i think i'll always be a networker i think that i'll always uh do things that i i love to do i mean i i, I love sports i i coach girls basketball i oh, I, I do a lot oh, of on top of all that other stuff bro yeah yeah on top of all that i still have time for you know for coaching wow. and everything else um so i helping think people helping people along. that's that's what yes. drives you service know? service service exactly okay. so so probably after this tech tech stuff uh is over which i i would guess in the next you know five years or so five ten years um then i'll i'll do i'll be helping people at a much larger scale that's that's what most of my time will be devoted to okay i semi-retired with like a lot of money in yes. the bank <laughs> helping your son scale his uh clothing line <laughs> basically basically whatever he wants to do as far as his ideas and creations i'm here to help him foster those and, and take it to the next level I mean, in terms of service, you, you do a lot in terms of helping people of color. And, you know, you say you, you mentor and you share knowledge and information. You know, what are other things? What are other things specifically that you're doing to help people of color? And how can they get, you know, access to you, bro? Like, you seem like you are an amazing source. I appreciate you, brother. Um, well, <laughs> Another another thing to add to the mix, I'm also the chief growth officer for Black With No Chaser, which is a Black media platform uh, globally. Uh, I'd say that's probably the easiest way because we have an amazing team that advocates for Black folks that that helps out in a whole lot of different areas between What's advocacy, the name of that organization again? Black With No Chaser. Okay. Uh, and, and they're on Instagram, Black With No Chaser. Twitter, I think is Be Black With No Chaser. Uh, but basically, it's a media platform uh, reaching about 50 million viewers monthly. Wow. Um, and, and there, I have a team that helps out in whatever avenue is needed. So, um, so I'd say you can message um, info at blackwithnochaser.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, et cetera. And then that way, the team will be able to, to assist, however. So if I'm too busy for whatever reason, they'll make sure to get me the message like, hey, did you know people are looking for your services or the team will be able to, to service? So. Okay. And also, um, can entrepreneurs outside of tech reach out, you know, because, you know, oh, yeah. hire your consulting firm in terms of scaling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, asking I helped for, out. Asking um, for self. One hundred, one hundred. So yeah, I, I've helped anything from uh, from uh, from merchandise companies, uh, uh, like clothing brands. I've helped out uh, watch companies. I've helped out all kinds of different organizations outside of tech. And honestly, that's probably some of my favorite work mm -hmm. because uh, I, I just, I just, I just like that stuff. It's cool to see it pop, you know. So right, right, uh, so, right. Yeah, abs absolutely. 
So podcasts, radio shows, television shows, movies, et cetera. Like if I, if I'm not, if I don't know the kind of the landscape then I can always find individuals to bring on board who have a little bit more knowledge and, and we can work together. Okay. So. I mean, yeah. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of black entrepreneurs are, are mama pops, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And scaling, you know, scaling a company basically they usually either don't have any resources you know to scale they don't have any contacts to scale so you know they're so stuck in that mom even though their ideas are great they're just stuck in that space you know so you are a great source for you know bro it's opportunity like we don't we don't have the opportunity or we don't Mm. get the luxury of having the opportunity as as um other demographics and so therefore whatever i can do to help with that i definitely will i appreciate it bro yo man thanks man i think it's 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 like almost 10 o'clock on my end <laughs> i know you're in the west coast so it's children. like what seven o'clock seven o'clock right <laughs> <laughs> nice nice yo man i appreciate your time it's been a great conversation uh, i can't wait to share this with the with my listeners so thank you bro Hey, pl- pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. I appreciate you having me on, on the show. Um, and like I said, I'm just excited to just keep building. And honestly, like if anyone wants to reach out, they can find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, and I'm and I can be a resource. Just bear with me because my inboxes do get full. So mm. just bear with me. <laughs> Yo, cheers to all you do, brother. Cheers, cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Marcus Knight. Watch out for him. He's coming. All right, brother. Peace. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Reverse Ambition Podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable, inspiring, and uplifting. Please remember to subscribe so you could be notified when another amazing episode is released. You could do so via SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, Art Radio, and YouTube. One last thing. It's never too late to take a leap of faith to follow your dream and passion. You can always leap back. So go ahead. Take that leap. Peace. <laughs>